We've been talking a lot this week about God's blessings and favor and joy in your life. And uh, remember, the, uh, remember this, uh, uh, this saying we've been looking at all week, as we learn the Word of God and apply it to our lives, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and makes us more like Jesus so that we can have the blessings of God. It's God's plan for you. The reason I would talk to you about purity is because a failure in that area of your life is a failure that would result in the loss of the blessings that God has for you. The reason we would talk about controlling our anger, dealing with our bitterness, the reason we would talk about being honest and controlling our tongue, almost everything we've talked about this week, we've talked to you about because our desire for you is that you would fully know the Lord Jesus and enjoy His favor and blessings in your life. God's on your side. And uh, he cares about you, and he loves you. And so we've looked at a lot of verses here, and our key and theme verses for each day of your own devotional time here, as well as our morning chapel hours, have been chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, where Paul instructed the church at Ephesus to put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful us, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We've been talking about every day in this chapel hour, and you've been studying it every day in your devotional time, that God wants all of us to dress for spiritual success. We have to put off that old man. There's things we've got to get out of our lives. You know that, and I know that. That's a given. Put things out of your life that shouldn't be there. And then allow the Word of God to renew your thinking, because as you think correctly, the Word of God... On the top of your screen there is you apply it to your life. The Holy Spirit will take the Word of God and make you more like Jesus. And, and as you do that, you're putting on the new man. And the new man, after God, is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's the pathway to blessings. It's the pathway to favor. And it's what we've been talking to you about, which is why the next day we talked about our tongues, the lying in verse 25 and the no corrupt communication of, of uh, the next verse there, verse uh, 29. And yesterday, anger in verse 26 and 27, compared in, in, uh, together with bitterness in verse 31, what we found out here is that these, uh, each of these are laying out for us truths that are essential if I'm going to grow as a Christian and be what I ought to be. You, you're getting this, aren't you? It's simple, nothing deep this week, nothing uh, overwhelmingly shocking. It's very practical, very, very, very practical. Let's go today to verse 28 and look at one more verse that Paul wants us to apply to our lives. Verse 28 says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. This is a great, great verse for the final day of chapel in our week together here at Summer Camp 2018. What an incredible verse. It basically says these kind of things. Here's what it says. Verse 28 says, stop the stealing, stop the stealing, let's go home and be honest, let's stop the stealing. It's a simple little truth. Most of us know it. The Ten Commandments says, thou shalt not steal. So stealing is wrong. Stealing is always wrong. It's wrong to steal somebody's answer from their test page. It's wrong to steal somebody else's project from the homework. It's wrong to take something that's not mine. Stealing, stealing is pretty simple. It literally means taking something that isn't rightly yours. Taking something you haven't earned, that's stealing. So if you got a job, you ought to be honest on that job. Don't take something you haven't earned that's not yours. 
stealing is, is, is wrong. That's what the Bible wants you to know, and what the Bible is trying to show us. So he says in verse 28, can you see that? Stop the stealing. The second thing he says in verse 28 is, get to work. Stop the stealing. Stop the stealing. Get to work. Get at it. Get to work. Think about that a little bit. Get to work. Working in this passage here as the idea very simply of toiling to the point of exhaustion. When the Bible says here, let him labor, he's talking about uh, hard work, hard work. How many of you have ever done really hard work? Anybody here? Uh, really hard work. I mean, really hard work. How many of you guys can split wood with a splitting maul by hand? Now, that's man work, isn't it? Oh, my soul. Uh, swinging that uh, splitting maul all day will make you hurt in places you didn't know you existed. Uh, it's a brutal job. You ever, you ever bailed hay? When I was a boy, I was a farm kid, and my dad had the square bale, those little ones like this big, and man, baling hay is hard work. One, one Saturday, uh, my family and I put up 1,000 bales of hay, which meant we had to drive through the field, we had to pick up the bale of hay, they weighed about 80 pounds, put it on the wagon, the guy on the wagon would stack it, we'd put the, get the wagon full, drive it down to the barn, and then somebody had to throw them off to the guy on the ground who would put them on the conveyor that would take them up, and somebody up in the barn loft would stack them. We did 1,000 of them in one day. And I'm telling you, it was exhausting. We were absolutely worn out. My, my, dad, uh, my, my dad had the square baler. Uh, and then later they had the big round bales. How many of you have seen those big round bales? Have you seen, did you hear that they outlawed those in Tennessee? Because they said the cows weren't getting a square meal. <laughs> oh, boy. That was really bad. Uh, toiling to the point of exhaustion. You know what the Bible's trying to tell you, kids? The Bible's trying to tell you that going home and succeeding as a Christian is not going to be easy. That's what the Bible uh, is going to teach us here today. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Just because you met with a counselor last night and said, you know what? I want victory over this battle I have with purity. That's not the end. It's the beginning. If you're going to win, you're going to have to go home and toil to the point of exhaustion. You're going to have to fight it. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to accomplish it. He's saying in this passage, he's saying in this passage, stop the stealing and get to work. And then he says, give to others. Isn't that interesting? He says, here, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. In a very definite sense, he was telling the church at Ephesus, look, uh, it's very normal in your culture. People take what they want. They steal it from others. They, this is a culture in which everybody just robs people and takes what they want rather than earn it. But now you're a child of God. Stop the stealing and get to work. Get an honest job and work hard and earn what is yours and deserve what is yours. And, and, and don't forget this. Part of the idea of working hard is so that you will have to meet your own needs, to, to be able to live, to have honest employment, to have a decent job and, and be honest in your work, but also part of the idea of working is so you can give. We forget that in our generation. Some of you, some of you young people are brilliant, and you're going to go to college, and you're going to get a really high-paying job, and here's what you're going to do with it. You're going to buy yourself a really fine house, drive some really cool cars, take really great vacations, and totally miss what the Bible says in verse 28. God's going to give you money. You know why? Because he wants you to be able to give to needs. Maybe to missions, to your church, to a widow lady in your church, to a family that's struggling because dad was laid off. We're called to meet each other's needs. We're to see another need and meet it. We're not to live for ourselves, focused on ourselves. 
We're to live beyond ourselves, focused on the needs of those around us and caring for them and providing for them and helping them. And, and not just arbitrarily, but he said to those who have a need. You and I as God's people are, are not to be thieves. We're not to steal. We're to work diligently, fervently, so that we not only have our needs met honestly, but we also can help meet other people's needs when they have a legitimate need that, that someone's got to come alongside and help them and be a blessing to them. This is real genuine, real genuine Christianity in verse 28. I, I absolutely love it. It's an, an incredible passage. The giving basically says we should be generous. We should be aware of others' needs and we should give to those needs. Uh, I, I wonder, teens, are you generous? Do you, ever, do you ever sacrifice to give so that someone who has a need can have their need met? My, my dad is not a, a wealthy man by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, my dad never finished high school. Uh, in the uh, family he grew up in, they were a large family. They barely survived. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, for years, they had no electricity. They had no, no indoor plumbing. They had outhouses. And uh, so dad dropped out of school in order to work and help take care of the family. And it was a very large family. So he never finished high school. So my dad doesn't have a high paying job necessarily, but my dad has always been a giver. I remember when I was a kid, he got us out of bed one Saturday morning. It was, just, it was you know, the fall of the year. He got us out of bed and it was Saturday. It's the day off. Sleep in. Don't have to get up and go to school. My dad got us up early and said, all right, boys, put your, put your work clothes on. And we went out and spent an entire day cutting wood. Uh, he cut the wood and, 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 you know, and, and cut all the, the limbs, and my brother and I turned them up on their side, and we split them and stacked them on the truck and the wagon that my dad had brought. We worked hard that day. It was a hard, hard job. You know what my dad did with that wood? We got in the truck. Okay, boys, go. We got it loaded. We got in the truck, and my dad took it to a widow lady. Her husband had just died a few months prior, and my dad drove into her yard, and he said, boys... Mrs. So-and-so doesn't have any wood for the winter. They heat with wood, and her husband's gone, and there's nobody there to, nobody in her family's taking care of her. And so I wanted you boys to help me. We need to get her wood for the winter. And my dad and my brother and I got out, and we knocked on her door and said, where can we stack it? My dad didn't have a lot of money, but he worked hard so he could give to those who need it. There was a missionary family I met just a few months ago. I, I, the last time I saw them was probably 20, 20 years ago. And their son is now grown and married. And he came to hear me preach in a revival. And, uh, and I introduced him to a friend of mine that was with me. I said, hey, this is a missionary son. And, and uh, I, last time I saw him, he was a, you know, he's a kid. Now he's married. And, and, and we got to talking. And this missionary son said, you know what, Brother Young? He said, I, I just want you to know that your dad is one of our favorite people. I said, really? Why, 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 why would you say that? You guys are on the mission field in Mexico. And he said, because our family came home from furlough one trip, we had lost a lot of supporting churches for some reason. They just had dropped us, nothing an issue, just we were barely surviving. Somebody let us stay at an old farmhouse, and it was cold, and at night we, we didn't have anything to heat with. We were barely surviving. We barely had food. And he said, Dad went to this church and took us with him, and we went there and presented our ministry, and uh, they didn't even give us an offering. We were so discouraged. We were so discouraged. And I remember he said, we barely made it home because we didn't have money to buy fuel. We got back to that farmhouse and we pulled up in the yard. He said, your dad was there. He was putting wood on the porch so we'd have heat. He'd give us beef from the, the beef he had killed on the farm. 
I never knew that. My dad was a man that worked so he could give generously. He didn't have money, but he gave. God's called you to be like that. Not to be a thief, but to work hard so you can give. I, I think of the verse like this. Verse 28, you could say it like this. Look, young people, stop robbing yourself of God's blessings. Get to work so you can have God's blessings. Get to work so you can be a blessing to others. Write those down if you're taking notes. One of the lessons you ought to get from verse 28 is you ought to stop robbing yourself of God's blessings. Don't steal. That's not yours. That'll rob you of God. Stop robbing yourself of God's blessings. Get to work so you can have God's blessings in your life. Labor, work hard. Uh, Get at it. Get to work so you can be a blessing to others. In other words, let's take 20 minutes here before we go to God and I time, and uh, let's talk on this issue. Here's what I want to talk to you about today. Confronting our, say the word, laziness. Now tell me the truth. How many of you know a teenager that is flat out lazy with a capital L? Let me see your hand. You know what? For some of you, it's you. School's been out and you didn't even make your bed unless mom yelled at you about it. School's been out. You haven't even had devotions much this summer, if at all. You don't do the dishes unless you have to. You don't help mow the yard unless dad forces you to. You don't, you don't read your Bible. You don't, you, you, you're lazy. You know what the Bible is saying right here? That's old man living. You and I are children of God on the way to heaven, and God wants us to have his blessings. And if we're going to have his blessings, we've got to stop the stealing and get to work. We've got to get to work. We've got to get to work. We've got to get busy. We got to work hard. We are commanded to embrace hard work. We're commanded. We are commanded to embrace hard work. I'm telling you that hard work is essential for character. How many of you? Uh, how many of you feel like you could use some more character in your life? Anybody here like that? You feel like I, 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 could, I, could, I could use more of that. I'm a little on the lazy side. You need character in your life. See, there's a time factor involved in becoming what God wants you to be. Here's what we tend to think in our generation. Okay, we tend to think, all right. I met with a counselor, and I prayed, and um, all's great. Well, in a sense, it is. Because the moment you went to God and said, Lord, I shouldn't be, but I want to be, God cleanses you from sin, restores you to perfect fellowship with Him. So in a sense, praise God all is well. But what you and I forget is that's only a beginning. If you get nothing else I'm going to say to you this week, get this. The only way this week is going to change your life is if you're willing to go home tonight or tomorrow morning and get to work. Hard work is required. See, our generation loves instant. Instant everything. See, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, if you had to send someone a message, here's what you'd do. You'd pick up a landline phone and you'd call their number. Or sometimes you'd do it like this. And sometimes you'd do it like this as you got more tech, you know, logically advanced and and sometimes you get an answering machine hello no one is home please leave a message and you'd say hey uh so we'll know about whatever you're coming over or you're going or what and uh, you hang it up and you had to wait for them to come home from work and hit the little button play and and then they call you back our generation's not that way at all here's what we do we grab our phone and we're like okay 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 text and we wait for the answer. We want it instant. We want everything instant. We love everything fast and instant. But I will tell you, there is no shortcuts to character, spirituality, victory. 
It takes hard work. Watch this. It takes hard work to have character. Hard work is required for spiritual growth. And hard work is required for victory. Get this. Get this. You've got to understand this. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot go home and be what God wants you to be and have God's blessings in your life apart from character, spiritual growth, and victory. And none of those are easy. None of them. You're going to have character in your life. You're going to have to get at it. You're going to have to get at it. Takes character. Character looks like this. I wrote just some jotted these down this morning. Character is taking care of chores without being told. Is it your rule to have the bed made? Then you call out of bed and make the bed. You're supposed to help clean the house. Then you clean the house and you do it well. Get her done. You get her done. You get her done. Mom comes home. She's like, "Wow, the kitchen's perfect." floor's vacuumed the cat has been showered this is amazing this is amazing see sometimes here's what teenagers say to me teens will be like my mom treats me like a baby you know why because they can't treat you like an adult because yet you don't have the character to say to them wow go home and wow your parents go home and say you know what I'm, I'm going to be diligent I'm going to get up, make my bed, pick up my dirty laundry. I'm even going to laundry. I'm going to do the laundry. I'm going to wash the clothes, fold them, and put them away. I'm going to vacuum the floor. I'm, I'm going to, that'll come on my, the yard will be mowed. And I'm going to mow it with lines in it, perfect lines. Get fancy and do them this way. That's just hard work, character. This is what it's going to take. Spiritual growth. You know what spiritual growth is going to take? A lot of hard work. You're going to have to go home and get up and get in the Word of God every day. You know, we're not, we, we don't have God nighttime at places like the wilds of North Carolina just because we don't have anything else to do. That's not why. We're trying to say to you young people, this works. Take 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 minutes every day and find yourself a place to sit down and get in the Word of God and learn the Word of God and apply it to your life. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take you doing that Saturday when you get home. It's going to take that Sunday when you're home. You've got to next Monday have God nighttime. You have to walk with God on Tuesday and, and, and next week at this time and the week after that and the week after that. I'm 48 years old. You know what I did today? I got out of bed this morning, got dressed, got my Bible, and spent time with God. I've done that every day since I was 16 years old. I've missed a day here and there. You know what I tend to do when I miss a day? If I get up late and I've got all of a sudden, you know, I got a call, I had to run somewhere, I had to go to a hospital or, or somebody's hurt or I need to go pray with somebody or somebody just died. Or, there's, there's all kinds of issues that can go on that can disrupt a day. But you know what I've started doing? When, when I have my day disrupted, I didn't get time to be in God's Word. I have memorized chapters and I'll quote them while I'm driving somewhere. I know Psalm 1, I can quote that one. I know Psalm 23, I can quote that one. I know Psalm 100, I can quote that one. I, I memorize the book of Philippians. I can quote chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. I just I, I memorized Romans 6. I just worked at it. I'm trying to memorize Psalm 119. Uh, I, uh, I'm not doing very well. But I'm trying. I'm making an effort at it. I'm trying to memorize one verse a day. I'm getting there. I, I, know, I know the first section pretty well. Blessed are the undefiled. And, and I just, I'm, I'm learning it. I'm working at section by section. I'm wor- I, why? Because sometimes I just, I just quote the Bible as I'm driving. Sometimes I quote the Bible while I'm jogging. I'll, I'll, I jog m- many days, and, and I'll jog, and I'll run, say, three miles, and then I'll walk a mile so I can quote the Bible out loud. And uh, people probably think I'm a little weird. I'm walking down the road talking out loud. But I'm, I'm not just talking out loud. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the Word of God in my heart. You're going to have to go home and get the Word of God in your life. You're going to have to go home maybe and take a few moments and do this. 
Because spiritual growth requires hard work. And if you're going to have victory in your life, a lot of you kids last night said, you know what, I want victory in my life. It's not going to happen if you're going to go home and get up every day and grab the remote control and turn on the TV and sit there all day and veg and, and scroll to find out what, what's the latest silly thing. You're going to have to turn that off, and you're going to have to work on your victory. You have to memorize some verses. The Bible says this, if you want to have victory in your life, you've got to flee also youthful lust. Some of you have to learn how to run. You're gonna, when, you, when you're tempted, you're in your room, and all of a sudden, there's, there's, you're tempted to look at something. You know what you're going to do? You're going to have to, the Bible says flee. Literally, it means you get out of there. Run from it. You may, you may have to jump up and throw your shoes on. Go for a walk. This is, this is hard. That there's a time factor involved, see, if you're going to succeed. You, you ever, here's what some of you are thinking. And, and, and maybe, maybe, Maybe you're sincere about it, but you're wrong. Some of you are thinking, you know what, if, if, uh, if my parents were like so-and-so's parents, I, I bet I could do better. Can I tell you something, young people? If you had incredible parents who were absolutely perfect, it would still require you hard work to be what God wants you to be. Did you hear me? It would still require you hard work. Somebody said, you know, if I just had his talent, if I was just more talent, then, 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 then I could do this. No, 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 no. I know kids who have talent who have none of this, and their talent makes no difference at all. But you take a kid with talent, you know why he's talented? If he's going to use that talent for God, it's going to take hard work for character and spiritual growth and victory. You know, one of my favorite illustrations of this is a guy in the Bible named David. Isn't that a great name? I really like, it's my favorite Bible character is David. He's just incredible. I love, David appears on the pages of God's Word, and, and it's amazing. The first thing we find out about David is that he's the youngest of the family. You ever, you ever read these verses about David? The Bible says uh, that, that Jesse uh, was the dad, and Samuel came down to Jesse's house because Samuel was there to anoint a new king over Israel. And so Samuel made all of his sons come in, all of them, and God said to, to uh, Jesse, rather, made all the sons come in, and God said to Samuel, it's not him, 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 it's not him. And so Samuel said to Jesse, is this all your kids? He said, well, we got the youngest, but he's out watching. How many of you don't know what the next words are? He's out watching the sheep. Now watch this. Nobody bothered going to get David. He's the baby of the family, and nobody cared. Really, that's it. You know why David watched sheep? Because that's a job nobody else wanted to do. We get this idea. We, all, we, we tend to think in terms of nostalgia. Here's David watching the sheep on the side of the field, and it was so beautiful. It's green, and there's grass, and it's a perfect uh, temperature, and the little sheepies are bounding through the field. And David is sitting there with a beautiful quill, writing, the Lord is my shepherd. But that's not it at all. Sheep are, sheep are just helpless. It's the truth. It's a terrible thing to be a shepherd because you've got to keep your eyes on the sheep all the time. They, they have no protection. They, they have no protection. They, 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 if, if, there's, if there's a cliff, literally a little sheep will put its head down and it'll just eat and it'll eat and it'll eat. And it'll get to the cliff and 10 feet below it is some more grass down there and it'll just go over. Boop. Unless the shepherd is there to grab it and pull it back. Sheep require help all the time. This is a hard job. Nobody wanted to do it. That's why David is doing it. In fact, uh, they, they say at a certain time of a sheep's life, this always cracks me up, sheep are like cows in that they have four stomachs, so when they eat, it goes into the first stomach, and then they lay down, and they, they, 
they regurgitate it, they bring it up and chew on it and then swallow it into the second stomach and they chew the cud like a cow does. And, uh, and, I, and I read somewhere along the way that when a sheep's wool gets so thick on it that sometimes a sheep can lose its balance and it falls over and it literally lands on its back. But because the wool is so heavy, it cannot get back up. But if it lays on its back long enough, you know, and it's, it's sitting there and its you know, little legs are kicking trying to get up, that the gases in its stomach will start expanding and will literally seal off its breathing mechanism. And if the shepherd's not there to stand the little sheepy back up, it'll die. So here's this David kid, he's the baby of the family, and he's watching the sheep, and he's doing it because he's the, he's the nobody of the family, he's the baby of the family. Samuel is there to anoint the king, they didn't even bother to go get David, he's the guy watching the sheep, he's an illustration of hard work. So they said to, uh, to, to the servants, go get him, Samuel said to go get him. And they bring David in, and here's what your Bible says about it, let me find the verse, the Bible says uh, about him this. Uh, are here all thy children he said there remaineth yet the youngest and he keepeth the sheep and Samuel said to Jesse send and fetch him we're not going to sit down till he comes hither and he sent and brought him in I love this verse the Bible says in first Samuel 16 and verse 12 and he sent and brought him in now David was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to you know what that means he was a handsome hunk of man he was a good-looking guy. You know, most Davids are. Can I get an amen? And uh, here's David in the Bible. He's a good-looking guy. And they anointed him to be the king. They anointed him to be the king. Okay, now he's the king. The future king of Israel is this guy named David. You know what he does now? You know what he does now? He's the future king of Israel. You know what he does now? Do you know? Anybody here know? What does he do? Somebody tell me, what does he do now? He goes back to watch sheep. That's the job nobody wanted to do. He's the future king of Israel, but he goes back to watch sheep. We're learning that here's a young man who has character. And that character is leading him to spiritual growth and victory. Later, the story turns, and now it goes down, and the next scene is at the palace where Saul is. And Saul is troubled. Saul is still the king, but David is anointed to be the next king. And, and, and don't you know David's out here watching the sheep and thinking, there's no way. There's no way. There is no way. I don't even know where the power. How am I going to be the king? But down at the palace, Saul is troubled, and a servant said to Saul, Hey, you know what you need? You need somebody to come down here and play you some good music, and you'd feel better. And Saul said, You know, that is a great idea. Who could I get? And this random servant, we don't know who it is, this random servant says, I know. There's this kid, his daddy is named Jesse, his name is David. And he is a mighty man of war. And I'm like, oh yeah? What does he do? Watch sheep. That's all he does. He's a teenager watching sheep. And the servant says he's a mighty man of war, a man of great valor. And Saul, you ought to get him down here. We ought to keep our eyes on that boy. All he does is watch sheep. You know those sheep keep showing up? The next chapter... David is down at the palace and he's playing the musical instrument for Saul, but the Philistines attack the land and Saul has to go to the battle. How many of you know this story? You know this story? Saul goes out to fight and there's a champion there named what? Goliath. And uh, while Samuel is at the battle fighting, what does David do? He goes home. When he gets home, what do they make him do? Watch sheep. Here's the future king. 
This is the job nobody wants to do. And David did it. He goes home from the palace, and I'm using that term loosely, but just for sake of illustration, he goes home from the palace, and he gets home. Here's the future king. He's been living down there playing instruments for Saul. Dad, I'm home. What do you want me to do? Go watch sheep, son. And he does. While he is watching sheep down at the battle, Goliath is down there, and they're scared to death, and nobody's fighting. And one day Jesse says, hey, hey David, I-, I want you to take some food and go down and check on your brothers who are down there fighting in the battle. Here's what the Bible says. David left the sheep in the hands of a keeper. Can you hear character? He doesn't just run away from the sheep. He makes sure they're taken care of. Character. Gets in the chariot. Rides down to where the battle is in the chariot. The Bible says a little, just a little statement. He leaves the chariot in the hands of the keeper of the chariot. He parked it where it was supposed to be. The right place. Can you hear character? And while he's there, his brothers make fun of him. This Goliath comes out and says, send me a man. We will fight. If I win, if I win, you have to serve us. If I lose, we'll serve you. Sounds good. David says, yes. Somebody go kill that big old brute of a jerk. That's in the Hebrew. I, you won't read that in the English. And, uh, and his brother says this. Oh, come on. Who do you think you are? All you can do is watch sheep. Come on. What are you, we're soldiers. All you do is watch sheep. What do you do? Leave the little sheep in the wilderness to come down here and tell us what to do? They made fun of his watching sheep. The next part of the story just is amazing. Don't you miss this. They ran and told Saul. Hey, Saul. There's this kid here named David who said he would fight the giant. And Saul's like, really? Bring him in. So they bring David to Saul. Can you see this? Here's a young man, probably some historians will tell us, probably 17 or 18 years old. He comes in. He's in front of Saul. Saul is a head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So here's David looking up like this at Saul. And Saul says, son, you can't go fight this giant. You are just a kid. You know what David says? Yes, I can. And I'll tell you why. I know I can kill that giant because I... Does anybody here know what he told him? I know I can. I, yes, I... Son, you can't kill that giant. You are just a kid. Oh, yes, I can. Because I... What did he tell him? Anybody here know? It's the strangest thing I've ever read in the Bible. What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? Somebody, I saw his name. What do you say? What do you say, son? Okay, that's true. That's not what he said. I have God on my side. He, that's true. That's not what he said. What did he say, sir? I killed a bear and a lion. That's true. But that's not what he said first. Anybody have any idea? It's the most amazing thing in the world. We got to we close here just a moment. Here's what David said. I know I can kill that giant, Saul, because, are you ready for this? Because I kept my father's sheep. You look it up. That is exactly what your Bible says. Get this picture. All right, here's Saul. Son, you cannot kill that giant. You are just a kid. Oh, yes, I can. Because I kept my daddy's sheep. Now, honestly, is anybody here going, excuse me? I've been reading that one time and I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. You did what? I kept my daddy's sheep. Now, this would have made sense, wouldn't it? You can't kill that giant. Yes, I can. Because I got a machine gun. My other name is Rambo. 
Well, that would have made sense. Are you kidding me? You look it up in your Bible. I don't have time to show you this morning. But what the Bible will tell you is that David says, I can, I can, I can because I kept my daddy's sheep. Now, you listen to me. There is an incredible lesson about hard work. Here's, nobody wants to watch sheep. Nobody wants to do the hard work required for sheep. But David did, and he did it well. He did it so well that you and I live in 2018, and probably every one of us know these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. One of the greatest psalms in the history of the world was born out of David's obedience to watch sheep. Here's the lesson for me and you, and we got to go to God nighttime in just a second. The lesson is that hard work is required. David could never have killed Goliath without the hard work that he did in watching sheep. You're going to go home, and nobody's going to stand and applaud because you read your Bible every day, but you've got to do the work if you're going to grow in the Lord. Nobody's going to stand and applaud because you turn garbage off on the Internet necessarily, but you're going to have to do the hard work if you're going to grow in the Lord. We are challenged to embrace hard work. Don't, don't write this down. We're, we're done. Labor to do the right thing when you go home. The Bible says you're not to steal but to labor. Go home and do the right thing. List attainable goals. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to get the chores done, whether I'm told to or not. I'm going to stay off the internet. I'll, I'll get on the internet 20 minutes every day. That's all. List attainable goals. I'm going to do 10 push-ups every day. I'm going to walk one mile every day. List attainable goals. Young people, set challenges. Set challenges this summer. God wants you to, to, to have his blessings in your life. Labor to do the right thing. List attainable goals. Look for accountability. Try this. Go home and say to your mama, say, Mom, I just want you to know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get out of bed every morning this summer at 11 o'clock. Okay, that's silly. I'm going to get up at, you name it, 8, 7. And I just want you to know, Mom, you don't have to worry about the kitchen. I'll take care of that. See, just look for accountability. I'll take care of that, Mom. I'm going to, Dad, don't you worry about the yard this summer. I'll mow it. I got it, Dad. I got it. I got it. I got, I got that. I'll take care of that. I'll, Mom, you have to do laundry this summer. I'm out of school. I'll do all the laundry. Fold it. Put it away. List attainable goals. Look for accountability. This is the last one. Link with others. That's partnership. Link with others. Link with others. Link with others. Say, say, help me with this. Say to your youth pastor, help me with this. Help me with this. Help me. I'm going to read my Bible every day. Help me with it. I'm going to read my Bible every day. Help me with it. I'm going to stay off the internet except for maybe 20 or 30 minutes a day. Help me with that. And every Sunday morning when you go to church, say to him, hey, I just want you to know, I, I didn't do as well as I should have this week, but I tried. Link. Th these, these challenges right here, if you'll do the work, you can have success in your Christian life. You are challenged to embrace hard work. So here's what your Bible says. Stop robbing yourselves of God's blessings. Get to work so you can have God's blessings. Get to work so you can be a blessing to others. That's God's plan of success for you. Does that make sense? Yes or no? My prayer is that every one of you will rise to the challenge. Every one of you, rise to the challenge. Father, bless our time with you in these next 30 minutes. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.